Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. good i'm good i'm here i'm ready i am ready i cracked open a new bottle just for this yes well we are gonna get started i'm so excited <laughs> look i kind of normally write down a skeleton of questions and everything and i was like you know what i have a feeling me and jasmine aren't gonna need that i just have a feeling it's gonna just flow anyway we're gonna hit it off we're flowing today yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, hola, mi gente. As you can hear, I have hola, my hola. next guest with me. Mm-hmm. And I have Jasmine Ruiz. So let me read Jasmine's bio. And then we're going to talk about our wines because she is partaking with the wine with me today. <laughs> you already know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine Ruiz is a comedian, writer, and performer born and raised in the Bronx, educated at Barnard College of Columbia University. She creates content mostly focused on the NYC experience and being Puerto Rican. Where did, where, where did that? Puerto Rican. <laughs> That's where she's came. She's a Puerto Rican lady. <laughs> like, oh, my God. That was weird. I don't know. How, that was weird. That's okay. Right. okay. Being Puerto I don't know. I don't even know if I could do it again. She was Puerto Rican. I don't even know what I did. <laughs> I'm feeling like a Puerto Rican. I'm feeling like a Puerto Rican. Just like that. Damn it. What? I don't know that creator's name. I've just been hearing the sound. Um, she has an episodic series, Dr. G and the Gangsta Therapist, and produces a variety of other skits under the Jasmine Show. She co-hosts the Rick H. Show, a weekly comedic podcast featuring guests from different industries. Jasmine is currently writing her own show that focuses on the plight of those who are the first in their family to break cycles and achieve socioeconomic mobility. Love that. Ooh. I'm going to have to say that now just because I don't know where that came from. Be like, she's Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love so, that. But let's start. I, before we get into the cheese, may we always start with the wine. So why don't you yes. share what wine you are drinking today? I will share what wine I'm drinking. I haven't even had a sip yet. You know, I'm going to wait for you. This is oh, the Domaine yes. Duchai. Duche. I don't know. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> I'm fancy, but not that fancy. Um, and it is a Bordeaux from France. And it is from 2018. Nice. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm drinking tonight. What are you, What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a 2017 Sauvignon Blanc from Encanto Wines, hey. out of the Napa area. Mm. You know, it's just been so warm and everything. I need to keep keep. 
I want some coolness. And actually, I just he just gave me this bottle last week because I was at the Altamed Foundation food and wine tasting. So he gave me this. So this is the first time I'm going to try this wine. Oh, you have a white. Yes. Yes, I have a white. So what do you when like me, since I have not smelled this before, I literally this is the first time. Definitely smells citrusy. It kind of smells like apple, too. What do you smell when you smell yours? So I have actually never even been on a wine tasting, so I don't even know what I'm looking for. You it smells, just, it smells, you know, just like good wine, not too acidic. <laughs> it's not burning my nose. It's making me thirsty. That's good. And then when you smell, like when you twist, like when you twirl it, it actually oh, I love opens to it up. It. Yeah, yep, and I got the legs. It. Oh, I let this, I let this air for about oh, 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, girl, see? And then when you smell it after you twirl it in your glass, you it actually mm. opens up the smells. The yes, yes. They call mm. it. A bouquet. Oh, girl, let me have my pinky out for Ooh, that one. Good. You teaching kinda, me fancy you know stuff. It kind of smells like honeysuckle a little bit. Ooh, you're experienced at this. Well, tell me more. Tell me more. What do you got? A hint of chocolate, some coconut? No chocolate. I'm not a chocolate person, but. <laughs> oh, right. You don't yes. like chocolate. No, my yes. God. Cheers. I know I'm that way. Salud. Clink. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Okay. Mm. Mm, that's good. So, anybody that has heard me talk about white wines, if they've listened to the podcast at all, they know that I'm not a big buttery Chardonnay person and I'm also mm-hmm. not a big. Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, because those are usually you have a lot of grapefruit. And that's always the first thing I can taste is the grapefruit. Mm-hmm. I don't like grapefruit. I don't like grapefruit either. I'm with you. I right? really don't like grapefruit. I don't know what. And my dad will eat it like nothing. And I just think it's it's the aftertaste. I don't know. Like it leaves. This it weird. makes my mouth feel weird. Like, you know, your mouth is kind of dry after wine. It's like worse than that, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I just and like. I, I like bitter. It's not even that I don't like. I love bitter things. I like mm. my coffee. I don't even got to put sugar in it. You know, I like bitter things, but it just, grapefruit ain't Is this it. because you are bitter? Are you bitter, Jasmine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sour patch. First they're sour, then they're sweet. Okay. <laughs> I got a little bit of both. <laughs> I feel like I'm like that too. I'm like, it depends on how I'm feeling. My my boyfriend would probably say I'm like that within a, within a five minute period. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm a moody person, not like, like I'm very easily impacted when it comes to mood. Like I wake up and if it's raining, I'm like, oh my God, let's cuddle an extra 45 minutes. And my, and my fiance is like, um, I'm sorry. The rain doesn't mean work stops. I gotta, I gotta get up. Like, I don't have 45 In minutes California, to California it does. No. <laughs> like what? Or <laughs> like everybody's late when it's raining or nobody does anything. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, I think well, it should just cl- close, close work when it rains. I think I agree. I agree. Let us enjoy that. Let us enjoy that. Or when it's super beautiful outside. Yeah. Who wants to be inside? We should be at the beach. <laughs> and when it's snowing, it's just it's like year round, you know? <laughs> well, we don't get the snow. So that, oh, that's true, what they don't have to Okay. Well, speaking of you saying you're mula. I want to know, like, is this how you were growing up? Like, you're born and raised in the Bronx. You, yes. Puerto Rican, you are, like, is this, were you, like, that mula child growing up? Or um, were you, like, growing up in the Bronx? Growing up, um... So I'm thinking, I'm thinking like childhood. You asked me about my childhood. Mm. I was, um, I, I was a really good kid. You know, I was, like, the non- 
problem child. I was a kid that, you know, did my homework all the time, never needed help with my homework. I, I was just like a, a good kid. I just wanted to read books and play with my dolls. I was a little nerdy. I was like well-tempered and I was a teacher's pet. I love being a little teacher's pet. I was, I was, I, I, I will admit that. And I was really annoying. Like I was a kid that jumped out my seat to answer questions and I would never shut up in class. Like every time my mom went to school, they were like, she is talking way too much in class. Her grades are good, but she won't shut up. You know, you too. Yes. Jessica's intelligent, but she is a chatty Kathy. Yes, exactly. Um, I was, I was that, I was that kid. I was that kid growing up. I, I would, I never shut up. I never shut up. I always wanted to be in grown folks' business. But that's why we end up doing the things that we do, right? Yeah, that's why. That's why we run our mouths, and <laughs> that is why we have great things to say. Exactly, and that's why I think you know we have careers in entertainment and <laughs> like to be talking. What can I yes. say? <laughs> I, yeah, I can't help it. Hold on, I'm gonna turn off the fan because I can hear it in my. Head. Yes, no problem. Make sure it doesn't come on. No problem, no problem. While she is turning off that fan, I just want to let you guys know that this wine is great. My goal, you know, is to be part of a wine club. And the reason I say my goal is because I'm not part of a wine club, but... It's only because I'm too cheap and I, I'm, <laughs> she's back. I am telling everyone, <laughs> I was, I was like, like, what's well, you're happening? Away. I hear, I hear um, I'm talking about how I, you know, my goal in life is to be part of a wine club. I want to get my hundred bottles delivered every month and I want to drink them all. hundred bottles a month. That's more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want an extensive collection of wine so that I could drink it. I'll have to show you what I have thus far. Not all of my wine can actually fit on my uh, on my little wine area here because I just I get a lot and I everybody thinks that I'm probably just like this total wino that I drink like every day and that's just not the case. I don't drink every day. I don't drink wine every day and sometimes it's literally from podcast to podcast. It might be that long before I have another mm. glass of wine and then there's times where I'm like, yeah, that girl needs it. Let me pour. You know what? I'm not just pouring a glass. I'm opening the whole bottle. Like, <laughs> I feel like wine. I can understand how people can like accidentally drink too much wine. You know, it's not like it's just. I can get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I have no problem drinking a bottle by myself. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes I do. Right. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Sometimes no. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna have this. Yeah. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes it takes a while. Who knows, you know? But when we used to, I was doing these virtual wine tastings and easily I would go through a bottle by myself. Yeah. And it's just so easy when you're talking about the wine and then you're sipping it and then you're having conversation with everybody. It's so easy. And people say that, like, I don't get wine headaches. Mm -hmm. I don't get, like, I don't think I ever have. It depends on the sweetness of the wine. When I, when I, you know, when I first started, I feel like everyone kind of starts on Moscato, you know, I I would always get the wine headache, but now that I like drier, um, you know, heavier, thicker, bolder wines, I don't get the headache as much. And that that's actually new. It's like only in the last three years that I actually started getting into wine. So I'm kind of late with that. Well, what age did you start drinking wine? You know, I I drank wine and some sort of thing forever, but I didn't really start getting into it until I started the podcast. 
Got you. So it was really like one of those things where I liked it and I'd just know, oh, I like this wine. So I would go back and some, and I'd get a different wine to try a different wine. But when I started the actual podcast, people, people were starting to ask me about wine and I didn't know anything. I just knew I liked it. And I was like, oh yeah. crap, I guess I better start learning about wine. Yes. And then I, uh, that's when, and then I started looking for Latino owned wineries. Cause I was like, there has to be like mm-hmm. Latino wineries. So that's kind of what led to what I'm doing now. And you know, having the first directory of Latin ale wine brands based in yes. the US. It was like now learning and, and getting my certifications in wine. And really that's why it started because people started asking me because I have this podcast and I was like, crap, I guess I better start learning about it. Especially, you know, when people come from communities of color, we we don't grow up with wine. We don't grow up with- My mom still with- doesn't drink wine. Yeah, my mom's not, she's day. a vodka drinker. My mom's a vodka drinker. My dad will drink some wine, but my mom, she's not a wine drinker. She's she likes her vodka. She likes her Tito's. <laughs> we all love Tito's. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, wine was like this inaccessible. It felt like this inaccessible, bougie thing growing mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. So, nah, it was never wine coolers. That's what it was. My, yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. Get me a smart off. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? There was a. There was a brand, it was like two old men that would talk about it in the commercial. Oh my oh, God, crap. I don't know. Oh, a wine gonna, cooler brand? Yeah, it was a wine two cooler Two old men brand. talking you, about wine coolers? That's were, marketing for you, yes. okay. <laughs> That's they surprising. Were the, they were like the the brand names or whatever. And the guy got, what is it? No, uh, it's going to drive me insane. I'm going to remember it. Like <laughs> we're going to start talking about other things. And all of a sudden I'm going to just like yell it out. And you're going to be like, do you have Tourette's? Are you okay? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I'm going to be waiting for it. <laughs> I'm going to wait for it. So what point, because you said you were a really good kid and everything like that. What point did you start figuring out you had a sense of humor and you could make people laugh if you were so, if you were such a serious, like teacher's pet type of child? Let's see. So I was always, I was always silly, right? And I would say when I was a teenager, I grew up and, you know, everybody, everybody gets bullied growing up, you know, and uh, we all get teased for different things. And at some point it's like, well, you either going to cry about it or you're going to get a tough skin or you're going to say some jokes back. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like around like 13, like maybe middle schoolish, I started like, oh, you know, I'm. I'm going to cut your ass right back. We call it cutting ass in New York. For anyone listening, like what she's talking about, cutting ass. We call it cutting ass. <laughs> and that means like you roasting somebody. So I would start roasting people back. And then, you know, that just kind of continued in high school. Uh, you know, me and my brother would roast each other. Oh my God, he always has so many jokes for me. He's like crazy. Um, but yeah, so I kind of like always had that. And then, you know, going on into college, you know, I just brought that with me to college. Like I, I'm never, I was never the type of person to abandon certain aspects of myself because I was in like a certain environment. You know, college was a very different environment. It was like a huge culture shock, but yeah, I kind of just took that with me there. And, you know, I just, I kept doing that. And then I graduated and I went into corporate America and like, I just got, I I think I just got funnier over the years. And then there was so much to make fun of, like in just the world as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. You realize like different things and everything, but I want to kind of go back because one thing that I've noticed a lot with people is, 
you know, when you grow up in a certain area, you're not necessarily exposed to a lot outside of your mm-hmm. area. If you stick to your area, a lot of times like people get very overwhelmed when they go into college and they have culture shock and they're like, yeah, wait, I didn't know there was these types of people that existed or whatever. Mm-hmm. What? Because you grew up in New York, you grew yeah. up in the Bronx, yeah. you would think that you got exposed to a lot of things. So what was, and you went to Columbia, which is still in New York. So what yeah. was that? What was the biggest culture shock for you when you went to school? Um, You know, the biggest culture shock for me was being around people that didn't know the cultural background that I came from. You know, I, I grew up in, in Castle Hill in the Bronx and then, you know, around like 12 to 10, maybe like 10 to, to, to like 14. I spent so much time at like my best friend's house at the time in Hunts Point. Like we'd always hang out. And then, you know, I spent a lot of time in Washington Heights for years. And I was from like all these like very cultured places, um, you know, urban culture, Latino culture, different, you know, black culture, everything. And then suddenly like I was in this institution where I wasn't seeing any of that. And it took me a while to realize that I couldn't have it with me and not get looked at differently. Not, not, not even in a way that made me like feel like I never belonged because that's one thing that like, I, like I never had that feeling. And like, I, I walked in completely different. Like I was loud. I was crazy. <laughs> I was like cursing all the time. And I was like blunt. Like, wait, where'd you, you get know? those looks like the, um, yeah. So there were a lot of times that like I embarrassed myself in class. And like, I remember this one time where, you know, we were taking a psych class and the professor said, you know, does anyone here know people with like ADHD? Anyone have any experience with that? Like, what do they act like? And I knew people with ADHD and, you know, like I roast people. So I raised my hand. I was like, you, I got, I got, I raised my hand. I was so hyped to answer. And she's like, yes, Jasmine. I was like, oh, they act like little crackheads. They'd be bouncing <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> When I tell you, when I tell you the look on her face, she was like, okay, we're not going to call them little crackheads. Does anyone else have an answer? And that was the first time I embarrassed myself. And I stopped and I thought, maybe I shouldn't say little crackheads here, you know? And and it, it like little things like that kept happening, like in class, in front of people where I would raise my hand and answer a question. And, or like, I, like there was this one time I submitted a paper and I used too much of like my personal life experience. It was a sociology paper. They crossed out an entire page. And I was like, you can't say this. And I went and I spoke to the professor. I was like, why can't I say that? You know, like I've seen this happen. I think I wrote in the paper that people be selling their food stamps. And I was like, I've seen this happen with my eyes. And this was like a Latina professor. And she sat me down. Like, I, I know, I know she, she, she was like, okay, let me help this girl. And she explained to me, like, listen, you cannot use your personal experience in a college paper. So there, there were little, there were little things like that, that kept happening that, you know, I, I was like embarrassing myself and not, not that I felt embarrassed, but just like, it shocked me like, oh, that's not okay. People looked at me strange and I, I had to adjust. And then I learned, oh, the culture I grew up in my whole life, that's not like mainstream culture. That was all I had ever seen. But it's like, now I'm in this institution and it doesn't exist. So is this the real world culture? Like this institution? Is this what is like the world? And I, I don't know if it's like rich culture. I don't know if it's white culture. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. It just wasn't what what I was used to, you know? And um, that that was, I would say, the biggest culture shock for me was just things like that. Like I was like, you know, ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> for lack of no. a better word, I was ratchet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I mean, I think it's natural you go in with your own experiences because that's how we view life, right? Like mm-hmm. our the way that we view life is based on the experiences around us and how we live. So if that's what your experience was, then of course, that's what you go into. I think both realities, there's two realities, right? There's mm-hmm. multiple realities, but in your like, but that's when the whole thing comes in in regards to like code switching and everything like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait, I have to act like this around these people or I have to act like yes. this around these people. Is that like, was that the first time you experienced that? Did you do that? Did you start doing that yourself or find that? Yeah, that was that? that was the first time I experienced that. And I remember I went to the HEOP office and HEOP is the Higher Education Opportunities Program. Um, so I got in through Barnard through the HEOP program and the HEOP program takes... I don't know, disadvantaged, low income. I, I don't know, I don't know the word that they use specifically. Um, you know, students. And so I went in through that office. So I, I I spoke about this in the office. I went to the office. I was like, Nikki, one of the things I was like, Nikki, like this keeps happening to me. What the heck is going on? And she she literally taught me. She was like, Okay, so there's something called code switching. And she taught me code switching. She told me what it was. She looked at me in my eyes the whole time. And she also gave me a speech about eye contact. And, you know, I, I I would go to that office all the time. And, you know, I would talk to everyone in there, like all the, you know, deans, counselors, and like, what the heck is going on? Like, I said this and then this happened. Why did that happen? And they would literally like walk me through it and was like, you know, when you code switch, you know, you can, you can, you can say that, you can do that. But here, you know, maybe you want to polish it up a little bit. And, and you know, and they broke it down as to like, why... And I was like really frustrated. I was like, but what does it matter? Like, yeah, my grades are still good. Like, and and if the question is valid, you know, it's just like, because perception matters. And that I got, I got a wake up call on real life. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheesemate. Hey, mi gente. Gold Peak Real Brew Tea is here to unleash your sense of try. All right. Can I be honest here? I'm not one who really drinks sodas. So if I'm not drinking water or wine, then you can usually find an iced tea in my hand. And since we're talking about unleashing my thirst to try something new, the next thing on my list is to go on a hot air balloon. The romance of seeing the world from that perspective makes my heart go pitter patter. And since my other half is afraid of heights, it's something that I will probably have to try by myself or with a group of friends. So mi gente, tell me, what is on your try list? To learn a new language, to travel someplace you've seen in a magazine, your favorite show? Maybe it's just trying to make some time to pamper yourself. Ignite new passions and rekindle new ones. So try Gold Peak then, try something else. Because this taste is worth the try. Try Gold Peak. Okay, mi gente, I'm going to spill a little chisme here. I actually met my significant other through an online dating app. Pero let's be real, meeting someone whether organically or through an app can be overwhelming. But with Chispa, it could get a little easier. Porque Chispa is the number one dating app of the Latinx community and allows us to be authentically ourselves, sin filtros. Porque sometimes it's just easier to connect with someone who understands your background and culture. I know for me, having a partner in life who's Latino makes explaining some things 
Well, honestly, I don't have to explain because he already knows. So create your own profile to attract tu novia or novia for right now or tu cariño por vida and meet other Latinos who share your roots and are just as proud of where they come from. So next time your tías start asking, ¿y el novio o la novia? Or they just want to set you up on a blind date. Just download Chispa to meet your papacita or mamacita that you can bring to your family parties. O nunca sabe, something amazing could come out of it. Check out the Chispa and tell your single friends too. It's free. What did you graduate with? Like, or what would, did you go to school for? Um, I went to school for psychology. And so at Barnard, everyone gets like a, a BA because it's like a, a art school. But I got my bachelor's in psychology and I thought I wanted to open my own site clinic. And I ended up not doing that, obviously. But I really thought that's what I wanted to do. So I took a bunch of site classes. So now I am extremely analytical and girl, my family hates it. <laughs> like, why are you always psychoanalyzing me? Like... Well, I catch people all the time. I back them into corners and conversations and I don't even mean to do it, but I do it. And it's like, it causes such a problem. Um, but yeah, I, w- I went to, to school for psychology. <laughs> but I would think that would almost kind of be helpful in your comedy. Oh, it's, it's so helpful. Oh, in my comedy? <laughs> I would Listen. think so. Because you probably come at things with a different, because obviously you have this whole comment, you know, this whole comedic side and everything, Mm -hmm. but comedy is so much of how we perceive things, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. and making these observations and making these everyday observations funny. So I would imagine having like a psych degree Mm -hmm. and being over-analytical, that probably like maybe gives you a different eye in regards to how to make things funny because you see things so analytically. It's crazy. You're like the first person to to say that. You actually got me thinking, like, how can I use psych more for comedy? Um, <laughs> it's so, so much of my comedy is like making fun of things. And, you know, you're, I think I think you're right. I think there there's definitely a way to like bring psychology into it more. I'm, I'm going to have to think on that. I, I, I think you're right. I haven't done it. I haven't done it much. And maybe that's just because like in in psychology and you know, whenever I think about it, like I automatically have a serious lens because, you know, I learned it in school mm-hmm. and I studied it. So I kind of feel like I, I separate my comedic side from that. But you're right. I, I should bring them together and marry. I would say, though, that doing comedy is very cathartic for me. Like it is my personal creative therapy. Like some people have art therapy. I have I'm gonna make a video about you therapy. You, you know, like, <laughs> okay. so how did you how did you go from I want to have my own psychiatric pra- practice to yo, <laughs> let me make you laugh. Yo. I'm gonna make yeah. you pee your pants. Like, <laughs> Dr. That's G so going to give you so the gangster therapist. The gangster <laughs> therapist. Um, yeah. So how did I go from that? So after I graduated, the next step when you get a psychology degree is to um, get your master's or get your PhD or get your PsyD. PsyD is similar to a PhD, but instead of having a focus in research, you have a focus in like clinical work. So I really wanted to get my PsyD. I knew that I didn't want to get a PhD. I'm not interested in doing research. Um, So the idea of doing like a dissertation and doing research for years and writing some 
60 plus page book literally killed me. I was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. Not interested. That's um, why so I, never I, I went really, to master's. I was like, I don't want to write a thesis. I'm done. Yeah, I, I didn't want to write. I didn't want to write the big paper. And if, if there's ever anything I don't want to do, I'm just not going to do it. Like I'm, th- that's just how I am. I love school. I love writing. I love I love all of it. I love learning. I just didn't want to write that paper. And that was weird to me. So I wasn't going to go force <laughs> myself. So um, I did a bunch of research about a PsyD. I spoke to people in the field that were getting their PsyD, that already got their PsyD. All the you know knowledge that I gathered, I thought there's no ROI on this. Like the return on investment just isn't there. I'm going to put in six, seven years to get this degree. I'm going to work under someone else's license for a year or whatever. Um, and they know that I need them. So they're going to pay me like 20K, 30K, some cheap ass, whatever. And then I'm going to then have my PsyD and be in a field where I'm going to get paid pennies, 50K a year. Like I did, I'm not going to go into over $100,000 debt to get paid $50,000 a year. And if I wanted to choose, you know, a more lucrative path, then that would mean working with communities that had more money to pay where I could say, oh yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to charge two, $300 a session, which would be wealthy communities. And if I was going to be in, um, you know, in psychology and really help people, I wanted to work with communities like mine. And I didn't see a lucrative path in that where I could actually pay the bills. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to, you know, figure it out. Because I knew that I did, I figured out I just don't want, I don't want to go to school for this. That's how I ended up getting a day job. And after one year of working, um, what was your day job? Um, my day job is still my day job. Um, <laughs> so I started off, uh, I got a job at Macy's and I went in through an executive development program and I started in digital. Then I went into buying, you know, continue to hop around the company. And right now I'm in product development, I'm a senior product developer. But after like one year there, that was when I started making videos. I started like, oh, I'm going to work every day. I'm going to record this. Started making funny videos just on my commute. Started, you know, I started the Daily Dose of Slay where I would just be gassed every day because I looked good. You know, I was actually getting ready to go to work. I had a cute outfit on every day. I was feeling it. But then after a year, I, I would say, and the reason it took a year is because I had the whole spring, I had the summer, I had the fall, I had the whole winter. Literally all four seasons in this job. And I realized, this sucks. Like, this is not <laughs> what I'm trying to do. Like, I didn't even, I didn't have a real vacation. Like I got to work throughout the summer. You know, it just wasn't fulfilling. And ever since then I started doing creative things and, you know, I really love making videos and I have been doing creative things for the past five years. And it's only the past like two years that I realized, you know, making videos and writing and doing comedy is actually the thing, like my thing. And it took take trying a lot of different things to figure that out. I am so glad you said that because I feel like so many people think I got my degree, so this is what I have to do. Or I started this and I'm moving up and I don't like it, but I'm already in it. This is what I have to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, like you, have done several different things in several different industries. I am doing what I went to school for, which is, you know, PR and communications is what what my day job does. And then also I, I get to utilize that here. But I've been in so many different industries. I've been touched so many different things. I think you have to in order to really find what you like. It's so true. And you can't, you like, you, you need to be open to trying and failing or even if it's not, 
if you try something and you don't like it, it's not failing. Like that is like what I would say fail forward. Like it's not, it's not really failing. You just learn something about yourself. I podcasted for two years, put blood, sweat, and tears into that podcast. Okay. I realized oh, I don't want, I don't want to do it anymore. I just stopped doing it because I felt like I didn't want to do it anywhere. I wanted a co-host, couldn't trust anyone to be a co-host. And it kind of ran away on this course. I lost the, the passion for it. So I'm like, yeah. I lost passion. It's not my thing. Then I started dance again, love dance. After, you know, six months of dance, I was like, you know what? I think I want to start a clothing line called Poor Hungry Driven, PhD. I put in thousands of dollars into, you know, a graphic artist and I made a bunch of samples, would get them, mm, didn't like this, make all these, whatever. I put in thousands of dollars into this, got the LLC, what, like everything. Six months in, I like literally the day of my photo shoot that I had all the models booked, the location canceled on me. I had models cancel on me. So there I was with the samples and of like the six models I chose, I only had like a couple that were like still free. I was like, some people would have persevered. I was like, I'm going to call everybody. I know and I'm going to make this happen. But to me, I was just like, when that happened, I, I didn't feel that. Like, I need to make this happen. I just felt like, oh God, that's, that's buns. You know, I was so <laughs> disappointed. I was so disappointed. So I just canceled it. And then I was like, no, if the passion is still there, I'll make it happen. And the passion wasn't there. And so, you know what? I, wait, I don't waste thousands of dollars, six months of my life. I said, fuck it. I'm going back to dance whatever. Went back to dance, started a YouTube vlog. I'm a, I'm a YouTube vlogger because I like video. I like creating content. Not conscious yet that video is obviously the one thing that has been consistent through the, all these years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Still not conscious about that. Um, started doing dance, did it for a year. And then the pandemic hit. Did the pandemic, uh, was dancing through the pandemic. After like a few months of dancing, I, I caught myself practicing and checking the clock. I'm like, why, why am I checking the clock? Like I should be so lost in this that like I'm in flow and I'm not checking the clock. That wasn't happening. So that was a, a sign to me that this is not my thing. But the one thing that I did get lost in was making funny videos. I like making the videos. I like editing the videos. I like having the ideas for the videos. I like you. I just love the whole process. Can and you so rip now, some of, that, some of that off on me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mm, rub it on you. <laughs> so like two years later, like. Now I'm like, you know, a writer, a comedian, and, you know, I worked really hard to get a bunch of freelance opportunities and I've gotten enough opportunities that I can, I actually get real interviews for real interviews. You know what I mean? I actually yeah. get interviews for like companies, whatever, still haven't gotten a new job yet, but it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm, I've made it to last round interviews. And to me, that's a big deal. Cause I did that with like just freelancing and doing my own thing. And like, I remember a time where I was like, I'm never going to, I'm never even going to get an interview. How am I supposed to get my own experience? How am I supposed to do this? So you have to be able to willing to try things. It's been five years and I'm like trying things and dropping things throughout all those years. You just have to be willing to be like, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You haven't lost anything. You've actually gained something. You've gained knowledge, you've gained experience and you have learned to trust yourself even more because you're like, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that. I dropped that. That, that makes you trust yourself even more that you're really and sometimes you find something that maybe you don't like it, but there was a part that you could grab from that to take to the next thing that you liked. Because Absolutely. Look, I didn't start the podcast till I was in my forties. And I had mm -hmm. no idea. And then when I started it, I literally have been like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like that amplifying so voices good. that come from communities of color, starting mm -hmm. like all the stuff that I do with 
you know, the Latino vintners. For the first time in my life when I started doing this, I was like, damn, I found my thing. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I love it so much. Like, I have my full-time job and it's hard. I'm not, you know, you understand because you you also have a podcast that you co-host with now. And like, it's hard to balance the work, the podcast, mm-hmm. having a life, right? All yeah. of these other things. Yeah. But you, I think you know when you found it, when you don't care. Yeah, I don't even care. Like when people are like, okay, well, when do you think it's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know, but it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Like, I'm going to write my show. I'm going to sell it. Like, whatever. Like, it's not even a question. And I feel like when you really have that self-belief, like, it's one thing to believe and it's one thing to, like, really know. And, like, I say all of this very obviously prematurely. Like, I'm in the beginning stages, but, like, I know it's going to work. And I'm looking forward to looking back on all the times I said it on every podcast, every interview, 10 years from now, I'll be like, yo... Young me, man, I knew it. I knew it. You know, like I told you, I told you, I, I, it was inevitable, and here I am. You know, because I think the answer. Listen, I've combed through so many podcast interviews of people who've made it, like started from the bottom. Now we're here, and the answer is always the same: keep going. Like, just don't give up. Just keep going. So that, like, giving up is more difficult to me than trying, because if you give up, what what is that? Like, that means you're saying, okay, I'm okay with never chasing my dream. I'm okay with what life is right now and just like riding that wave. Like, this is, if that is what, no, oh my God, I would be like, that's not a wave. That is like a, you know, when you drop and you get like a little ripple, you know, that that's what life is feeling like right now. I'm trying to be wavy. And waves are started by ripples. Exactly. So you 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 got to keep it pushing. Exactly. Exactly. What was the first video that you did? that really like, oh, shit, people are watching this and people are paying attention to me. And, you know, well, you know, we, I, we all have that one like that kind of gets us over like, oh, I'm, I don't know how I'm doing. And then all of a sudden one just hits in a way. I remember like, my first viral video. I've been asked this one other time and I, and I couldn't remember it. But n- now I remember my very first viral video was when I was trying to sell a couch. And I, I was just like, yo, are you in New York? Do you want to buy this couch? Because I put it on Facebook Marketplace and nobody wants to buy it. So let me show y'all what it is. You know, and I just, I, I sat on the couch. I'm like, look, it's comfy. You could sit like a gangster. You could sit like a thought. You could be classy. I was trying to sell this couch. Okay. And people were like, yo, this is hilarious. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh my God, yo, everyone loves this. But it's funny though, because I really do need to sell this couch. But then people like, that no, wanted to buy really. it. But really, though, I was like, literally, but really though. And I had people hit me up, but then I was like, oh my God, but then someone's going to have my address. I, w- I was so shook. I was so shook about selling this couch. I eventually sold it for like a fraction of what I wanted for it. And the person was so happy with it. And I did like a goodbye, goodbye video. <laughs> the couch but yeah I would say that was like the first video that I could remember that I was like oh my god people people like what I had to say um I also think it added that I have red eyebrows because it was quarantine I was going through a lot and I needed some change so I, I dyed my eyebrows red you dyed them <laughs> they look good listen to this day I say they look good okay maybe okay, they maybe well, I'll bring to, them I back. need to see a picture of that I'm gonna oh, have to, is I'll, it on I'll, I'll send you a picture okay yeah send me a picture I need to see 
the red eyebrow jasmine Listen, it looked good it looked good it looked good some people like my mom hated it but like like i love it my my fiance didn't like it either he was like mm. You do whatever you, you want to do for you. I was like, thank okay, you. I, I, I just went through this with my boyfriend <laughs> because he wants like, apparently when he was younger or whatever, he would put like feathers in his hair and everything. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how he wants to put feathers in his hair. I never saw him before with that. And I'm like, really? He's like, I used to do this all the time. I'm like, well, you're not in your 30s anymore, honey. Like, <laughs> listen, you're not, you're not a young buck anymore. I, I'm, I'm team him. You got to let him let him put those feathers in his hair. I know. And then eventually <laughs> I, ha- I tried to help. I'm not good at like putting mm-hmm. those things in. But I was like, it's like, what do you think? And I'm like, whatever you like. I'm fine. Whatever like, <laughs> like, listen, I really want a pixie cut. I know I would look so good at a pixie cut. I really want a pixie cut, but my fiance loves long hair. But, you know, in 2019, I got an angled bob and he was like, all right, do you? And I kept it for like several years. Now I'm growing my hair out again, but I miss the angled bob. I really love the angled bob. I'm going to wait until I'm like, rich that way I could have a hairstylist on deck to do it every day I just didn't want to do my hair every day like you know that's why I I, I was like let me let this grow out I don't want to like the bob looks so good when it was done you know so um it'll be back yeah I um just had to go get my hair done because it was just bad the roots need to be done the ends need to be done Mm -hmm. so uh, she chopped a lot off like it's probably and I had her straighten it because me and my boyfriend have been together eight months and he's never seen my hair straight. Like I hardly ever straighten it. And so I went in to his work with my straight hair and he was like, oh, wow, that's a lot of work. You have to straighten it all the time. And then after a minute, I'm like, no, it's just until I wash it. And he's like, oh, thank God. Oh, he he didn't like it. I love that. He loves your curls. Yeah, he loves my curls, girl. I mean, like, I love that. The curlier, the better. So which I have. Growing up, I always wanted curls. I like I would be such a, I was that girl that would like crimp the shit out of my hair to be like, yeah, my hair's like wavy, you know, you know, like I would try to make it wavy. I've always had dead straight hair. As I got older, it started changing. They say your hair changes like every seven years. So now Mm -hmm. my hair is like beach wavy, but yeah, I always, I always love like, I used to crimp my hair so that it would be like big and voluptuous like i love love big hair so you rock those <laughs> curls girl because i wish well, I'll i had be in some. new york soon so i'll make sure it's extra big <laughs> yeah make sure it make sure it's big because oh god i love big hair so growing up in the bronx and have you ever moved away or have you just always been in new york this is like you're at like lifer do or die new york you never want to live anywhere else <laughs> um no, I I have not moved away. So I lived in the Bronx. I lived in Spanish Harlem. I lived in Park Slope and now I'm in Brooklyn. And I do want to move to PR. That's because like, one, I want to avoid the winters. I don't like winters. Some people need the seasons. I don't. Just give me summer. Give me give me a beach. I'm a water sign. Like, put me on the beach. And I'm a Pisces. I'm a Scorpio. See, I knew that's oh, where I can get along. Okay. So, yeah, I'm like, put me by a beach and I'm happy. Like, I just want to be in the heat. So I do want to move to PR. But I like, I am in a space right now. And I've been in this space for like quite some time. And it's, it's a frustrating space where like, I really, I'm so desperate for like some type of change. I'm like in in the spot where like 
I would shave my head bald and go move to a new country. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, I'm like oh, almost there. So I really do. I really do want to move. Um, so I want to move to PR. Um, back in the day, I used to want to move to Miami. Um, I do love Miami. It's hot. It's and it's a city. Like, what else? Um, I, you know, I don't, humidity, I don't like it, but it's not enough to keep me away. <laughs> not enough to keep me away. Well, I, I thought it's hair up in the I bud and that's San it. San Diego. So would I rather live in San Diego or would I rather live in Miami? I like it here in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been to Cali ever. I like What? You know what it is? I'm be I'm I'm be that ass. I'm be that be I want to yeah, go to Cali. I really want to go to Cali. I don't know anybody in Cali. And I'm not going to be like, go stay in a hotel. Like if I'm going to do Cali, I want to have like a real authentic Cali experience. Well, you know me now. Now I know you. Now I know you. You are always welcome, girl. Okay. I'm not kidding. You are always welcome. And if you have a passport, bring your passport. We'll go to freaking Mexico too. I'm only 15 minutes away. You're 15 minutes from Mexico. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. Do you go there often? Not as often as I should. I was just there like a may, uh, like a month or two ago. I was there, mm-hmm. so just so you really could just drive over. Mm-hmm. How long does but it normally? Take to get I don't in? drive over. We just walk over. And, yeah, <laughs> go. I'll be on vacation all the time. We yeah, have to we walk go. over, and then you can take an Uber to wherever you want to go and stuff like that. So wow. yeah, it's oh super God, that's easy. Amazing, and they have some really good. F- restaurants and stuff down there i want like i want real authentic mexican food like i, I mean i've had authentic mexican food at like authentic mexican restaurants there's one in spanish harlem what is it called it's it's escaping me i'm gonna i'm gonna I remember know, it like you're gonna remember that thing yeah, and i, I want to have it from mexico in like four days so i need things to do to take my nephew okay okay it's it's really good mexican food um it's like upscale Mexican food. It's on Pleasant Avenue and 117th, literally like the block right before the Costco. And it's so like, good. Where's the Costco in Spanish Harlem? Okay, it's over <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, go there and then go on the block before <laughs> and make a left. And you'll be like, this is the spot. And it's so good. Oh my God, it was so good. It was so good. I was like, it was, I've never been to like an upscale Mexican restaurant and it, it was fancy with like the decorated food. I was like, but let me get my pinky out on this one because <laughs> this shit is fancy. Like we met the it's owners. Fancy. It was so good. And there mm-hmm. we go. So what does your mom think of, you know, obviously you have your, your day job, your nine to five, but what does mm-hmm. she think of this other side that you are exploring and that you're doing with the, with the comedy and the writing and all of that? What does she think of that? Yeah. So my mom is super supportive, but she doesn't like want me to quit a stable job. So I like quote, for the past unquote, stable yeah, job because stable. we learned over the pandemic there is no such thing. You yeah, say it louder. Let me let me give you her number so you we can learned over the that. pandemic okay. there is no such thing as a stable job. <laughs> no such thing. Honestly, it's more stable to like work for yourself because you you know you're gonna go hard for you way more than any any job. But she's very supportive. You know, she's been calling me her star for like ever. My mom is like the reason I'm so confident. Like growing up, I would get bullied. And my mom would just tell me like, you are beautiful. What do you, they're crazy. You're smart. You're beautiful. Like she would gas me up so much that like, I remember coming home and be like, ma, like something's wrong with these kids. Like they really think I'm ugly. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like that really awkward. What would you get bullied for? 
oh my God, I, I had sideburns that I've now lasered. I had a mustache. I had a unibrow. I was hairy. I was a hairy ass kid. People thought I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she, she's a boy or girl. People would ask me, are you a boy or girl? Are you a boy or girl? I've always had this brolic ass jaw. You know, it was always that big. Like my face had to like the rest of my head had to grow into it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like I always had these big ass eyes. You know, the rest of my head had to grow into that too. So it was like I I would get bullied for these things, uh, mostly for looking like a boy. And, like, and now hairy. probably they all these people will be like, oh, my gosh, you're gorgeous. Whatever. Well, I think that, you're beautiful. And now all these people you. probably thank be like, you. oh, my gosh, I can't believe we used to make fun of her because they probably look like trolls now. Maybe and- <laughs> I, you know what I would I I hope I hope that that someone out there is like I should have never made fun of her she's she's hot now but you know no one peaks no one peaks that early so I'm yeah. I'm happy I grew up and like learned that but at the time you know my mom was super like gassing me up so she's been gassing me up forever so she's very supportive of my career um she doesn't like when I make videos about her so I had to like well, I recently blocked her sorry mom. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but you can't, you can't stop the creative process. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, you got to go with what gives the laughs and gives the, you got to give the people what they want. And if you know, I'm giving myself what I want. (laughs) If people are not laughing, I'm laughing. And that's all that matters to me because my favorite videos, they're, they're not the winners. Okay. Like my, what is actually, I was going to ask you, what is the favorite, what is the, your favorite video that you've made? Oh my God. I'm thinking of like all these like random ones. I made one about <laughs> my grandma's rice for white rice. And I'm just like knocking on the door. I'm like, yo, I think grandma's putting drugs in the rice. I can't stop eating it. It's just too good. Like you, you like, how is white rice that good? You know that just like, little plain random, white rice, just plain white rice. And I'm like eating it like a, like a, a crazy person. I'm like, so like what, what I was see, that's a random video. Got like 20 something likes, but that really cracked me up. That like, that really cracked me up. I recently made a video about like, I was eating and I thought I had more cheese. And then I looked over and there was no more cheese. So I made a video about that. Like that cracked me up. I was like, I thought I had more cheese. I think if I did a video on what cracks me up now, people will probably think I'm sick because look, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> tell me, tell me what happened. So Bring on I, this cheese, man. Yes. When I was growing up, after my grandma died, my grandpa moved in with us. And then he started getting the beginnings of dementia. This doesn't mm-hmm. sound funny, but I swear it's probably it's really okay. <laughs> I'm like, it's so funny. My grandpa had dementia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After death and dementia, wait, the funny part's coming. You about you about to get a kick out of this. <laughs> For some reason, none of us know why. To this day, my grandpa got a gallon, like a milk gallon, and there mm-hmm. was gasoline in it, and he put it in the refrigerator. He forgot it was gasoline, drank it thinking it was apple juice. And then my mom had to rush into the emergency and they start asking my mom. They thought my mom was trying to kill Stop, we're trying to kill. Oh my God. My mom's like, I swear I'm not, this is my dad. I'm not trying to kill him or wouldn't have brought him to the emergency room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that when they figured out he had dementia? Were they like, I get him to the neurologist when, immediately? Yeah, I think that's when they figured out. Because then we had, you know, the carpet needed to be pulled. So there was some like little lumps in the carpet. Bumps. And one day he's like, mija, mija, the snakes. And I'm like, 
What? He thought the, the bumps in the carpet were snakes. Dementia you know, can crazy. be funny. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that we could laugh at dementia, but let, no, it's true. It's true. They, people with dementia say some stuff. They say some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably like I would make a probably make a video about. about you would make, a, make a, video a video about the dementia. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why would you not laugh about that? Like that's something. I, I'm all about. I was actually on a panel for this last year during a comedy fest in New York um, about making humor from hardship. And that's like my number one thing. Like if, if something is painful for me, whenever I have actually, whenever I have an intense emotional reaction to something, whether it's really angry or really sad or really whatever, I stop and I think if I'm having an intense reaction, other, other people would have an intense reaction too. Like th this is a relatable thing. How can I make this into a video? And, and those videos always do well, you know, because there, there's some things that are just so relatable. So you laughing at your grandpa with dementia. There are definitely other people who have grandpas and grandpas with dementia that are going to laugh at that. Like, that's something you could turn into a video. <laughs> it's just, you know, we're the same way. I think our family is very similar in regards to like, we try and laugh from the hardships. So yeah, it's all you got. I, like you know, is all you, you have. Laugh. If you can't laugh, you're gonna cry, right? And right. and sometimes it's good and healing to cry, but sometimes you have to find the humor in things. I love going to comedy shows. That is like one of my favorite things to do. And I've become <laughs> friends with Eric Rivera. Um, and you know, he does the brownish comedy shows. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. So they have one in New York and he's been traveling. We've become friends. He does sometimes in San Diego and it highlights up and coming comedians, mostly Latino or just within the communities of color. But I love it because I can relate so much to it because they're Latino. But also we talk, they talk about these things that we grow up with that you just other people just wouldn't get. Right. Yeah. There's just certain mm -hmm. things within our community, regardless of nationality, that mm -hmm. we just that we just get. That's just universal. Yeah. And I just think especially out of the last couple of years, you have to laugh. Like if you don't yeah. laugh, like if you can't laugh at yourself, I can't be with you. That's one of the things that I love about my partner is he's goofy and mm -hmm. he's silly. And I don't really let him know how funny I think he is. I mean, I do laugh a lot, but then I'm like, mm -hmm. you're not that funny. I just laugh at everything. <laughs> <laughs> Humble yourself. <laughs> yeah. Apparently some comedian went in there and asked him if he, you know, while he was, while they were talking, because he starts busting out his whatever. He said, are you a comedian? I said, oh, no, duh. He was oh, just being nice to you. He laid on the charm. Yes. And they were like, you're funny. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was like, he was being nice, honey. He was being nice. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to get up in front of people. You talking to people and being funny is one thing. You getting up in front of people. And doing an act. Creating a set is totally different. It is so different. It's, so, it's different because it's not a conversation. You're talking at people. And you need to actually talk to people that are never going to respond. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, have you done that? Have you actually like done a yeah, stand-up stand set? How up, was that? Um, I did stand-up last year. I, I did it for like six months. I want to continue, but it's it takes a lot of time. And right now I'm, I'm like writing my thing. But I really love the stand-up community. I find everyone to be super supportive and super kind and 
you know, just quirky. And I, I really appreciate the stand-up community. And stand-up is hard because, you know, it depends on your audience, you know, like I have never crushed it with like a majority white audience. And that's because, you know, I'm my, my stand-up set was like a lot about sex and, you know, ratchet stuff. And afterwards I'm like, no, I actually, I want to challenge myself to not do a set about a stand-up, like about, about anything ratchet. I want to do like something else, but whatever. And so, you know, it really depends on who's your audience, you know, and yeah. are they going to laugh? And sometimes they're going to bomb. And, you know, you know, I bombed once I did a set about religion. I bombed it. I get that. I was like, I'm, I'm just not there yet. I need a lot more experience before I'm able to joke about something so near and dear to people. And, you know, some, like my very first time though, I like, I killed it. Like people laughed, people clapped. I was like, this is my first time. And everyone was like, oh, I felt so happy. Like it was just so supportive. Um, but I really like doing stand up. I love making people laugh. Um, and I like, I like saying things that people did not expect and it feels good to like see people like listen to your shit and be like, yo, that's true. You know, it's like, oh, you, we vibe it. Yeah. And, and the right cool here. thing is you get immediate feedback when you stand up. And you know, the thing about stand up that's hard is that you don't know if it's good until you do a set because you, you always going to think you're funny, you know? <laughs> But it's not about you. It's about, you know, do other people think it's funny? And that it's something that like you, you don't know until you do it. So you could have a whole set that you practice and you think is great. And then you tell it to people and it just completely bombs. And you're like, yo, I, I've been laughing at corny jokes for the past <laughs> month. You have been practicing. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, it's like being a doctor. You don't do a surgery until you do a surgery. You know, like so you comedy. You can practice on a fake and surgery. You know, it's different like, side of the same coin. <laughs> comedy and surgery, they're the same. <laughs> God. So you're also writing your own show, and mm -hmm. you're saying it focuses on the plight of those who are the first in their family to break cycles and achieve and achieve socioeconomic mobility. Yes. Yes. Is this a personal, like, is this from your perspective? Is this like a first person type of yeah. thing that you're writing? Yeah, it's definitely from my perspective. I mind my own life for this one. When I went to college and after I graduated from college, I had such a like difficult transition back home. It's like another culture shock from when I first went to college. It's like I had an equally shocking experience when I left college and went back home. I felt like I went back in time, like sliced bread didn't exist yet, you know? And I was just like, <laughs> it really opened my eyes to, I felt like I was looking like literally like in a crystal ball of like what I was like in the past because me and my family had always been like very similar, different in, in many ways, but also like similar in culture. And I no longer related to the culture. So like I, 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 there were things from my culture that I just didn't rock with. Like there was a lot of toxicity, um, you know, a lot of entitlement, a lot of, um, you know, um, not being able to communicate and like, you know, the person who wins the argument is the person who's the loudest is the person who hits the hardest. And it was like, so cruel, you know? I, and, and so I, I was like thinking differently. I had different values at this point, you know, I had grown up my whole life, you know, and I had 
all these skills and tools that I needed to live in like a, a hard world. Then I went to college where none of those skills, characteristics and tools were useful. They were actually detrimental. So then I had to learn new skills of how to live in not a hard world, but just live in the world. Okay. Because there's multiple realities, like you said earlier. And, you know, the reality in the hood is that it's a hard world, but outside of that, it's just the world. It's still hard, but it's the world. It's a different type of struggle. And so I had to learn this whole new set of skills. So then like I'm thrust back into, and at this point I was living in Pelham Parkway. I had moved out the hood when I was 17. I left, I left my house to live with uh, someone else in my family, you know, but just still being just back in the Bronx. And it was very difficult. And I felt like, and there was always like a big, since then there's been like a big divide between a chasm between myself and my immediate family. And, you know, it's always like, why do you always have to bring, bring a different perspective? Why don't we agree on anything? Where do you, like, you forgot where you come from. Oh, you think you're better. Oh, you're on a high horse. And suddenly I was like being praised and vilified in the same sentence. Like, oh my God, yeah, I love you. You, you know, you, you've really risen and you've done so well and you, you graduated. I love that. And then you know, you're so smart. It's so good. But then you turn around and it's like, oh, don't get smart with me. Oh, don't. But like, but weren't you just praising me for that? And then, you know, you vilify me for it at the same time. So it's like the growth really drove a divide. And I think it's because of uh, education. And I think that that is the reason and that really helped me grow so much and getting experience to like the different culture outside the bubble that I was living in in the Bronx. And I feel like that, drove a divide and I was like, I gotta, I gotta write about this. And so that is uh, the theme. That's the theme of the show. It's about cycle breakers and uh, you know, how they have to navigate through so many different issues when it comes to like interpersonal relationships and corporate America and having your foot in all these different worlds, because, you know, you may be in corporate America and not really rock with it. And you may be in the Bronx and not really rock with it because you're from these two different worlds that never intersect. And now you are a piece that has some of both and you have to create your own lane because you don't, you no longer fit into the lanes that will have already been created. And so I was like, I need to talk about this. And that is, that is the theme of my show. Girl, so many people are going to relate to that. I so know. many people because, I, I mean, I'm second generation, but, and there's still things because I moved away and I got to, I think every young person needs to move away for their fa- from their family mm-hmm. so they can get to know themselves outside of yes. the family, right? Yep. Because you think, oh, I think this way or I think this way, but it's because you've been in that bubble and you've been in mm-hmm. that. But when you leave- you get to realize, oh, wait, maybe I don't think this way or maybe I do or maybe, oh, you're just, you're getting, it's so important to Mm -hmm. learn who you are away from your family. Away from, because you grow up, everything you're taught, okay, it's, it's, it's a form, let's say, of brainwashing, right? You're taught to believe X, Y, and Z. You're taught to have these values, these morals, these goals, rules, whatever. At some point in life, you have to stop and consciously make a decision and say, do I agree with everything I was taught? Do I agree with the culture? Do I agree with the values? Do I agree with the morals? And if you don't, you have to re-raise yourself. 
well, then what do I believe? And how do I get, you know, more knowledge about that? How do I expand on that? How do I continue to grow in that direction? And when I went to school, um, you know, the, there have been so many times where I have been like on the phone having some crazy family drama and I'd hang up and, you know, my roommates would talk to me about it. And I'd realize like, I actually like what they're saying. You know, I want to lead with love. I don't want to lead with defensiveness and anger or, you know, there's just like a lot of trauma in my family that people hold on to. And that's very toxic and it bleeds onto other people. And I don't want to be that type of person. And, you know, in not being that type of person, um, it draws a divide when people connect with each other through negativity. It's like so many people, you know, you be on the wine and cheese over here, but so many people are always cheese, cheese, me, cheese, me, cheese, me, you know, bochichando. Yeah. And it's like, well, what, what do you do outside of that? Like, is, is there anything there? Is there substance there? You know, and if there's not, it's like, okay, well, then I, I define that as like a toxic relationship. And I want to connect with people through positivity. And that's something I learned like in, in school, like connecting with my friends and, you know, just learning about different types of, you know, ways to be. And I realized, you know, yeah, the way that I grew up actually, you know, like the, the things I've learned, um, don't, don't, are not all, all making me happy. They're great. I have all the survival skills in the world. Listen, my mom taught me everything I need to know. And if, if the world crashes tomorrow, like I'm a survive. But it was, you know, school and life that taught me how to thrive in a happier world. No, I I agree. I think even growing up, like you have to, that sometimes does separate you from your family when you're like, you know what? I don't have the energy to fight anymore because I don't, like I shouldn't have to fight for everything. And I had to learn how to sometimes just walk away. And before I never did, I I was actually just having a conversation about this earlier saying before I never would walk away, I would stay there and fight. And then I would Mm -hmm feel so tired and feel so drained and feel like, like there, nobody ever wins that way. So I got to the point where I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to gather my thoughts. I cannot stay in this situation right now. I need to walk away before I let myself get into that. And you have to like, it's not always easy, but you got to just, you know, you have to be wise enough and know yourself enough, Mm -hmm. right? Do the work to be able to say, okay, you know what? this is as far as I can take it right now. I need to step away from this situation. And then, you know, maybe at that point you can, maybe you can come back to it at a later time when you're not so emotional because when we get into our emotions, that's when things really get. That's when things get so messy. Yeah. It it gets so messy. And, you know, I've been in therapy for years now. My therapist is awesome. He'd be dropping them gems. I'm now I'm like in a space where it's, I do. I try my best to not get emotional. Obviously, it's hard. I'm a human being, but I'm, I'm really a seeker of truth. So it's like beneath all the emotion, like what is what is the real reason? I'm always trying to get to the why. I think that's really important, and I feel like that's not something, at least in our culture, that you know people want to get to the bottom of things because in order to do that, you got to be vulnerable. And I. People have been tough for how many years, how many generations have people, you know, not been able to prioritize their emotional well-being because they're busy, you know, surviving and worrying about X, Y, and Z. So I understand that it's even, it even comes from a place of self-protection, of of self-protection to be that way. Absolutely. And, you know, and it comes from a place of privilege to be like, you know, I don't, 
I don't need to be in survival mode and I can thrive. You know, you know, Maslow hierarchy of needs is like a triangle. Yeah. And if you're in survival mode, you can't have good relationships and you, you can't, you can't get all the other things. And those, all these, all the, those other things, those are the things that I'm focused on. And it's only because, you know, like I said, you know, the, the show focuses on like cycle breakers, but through socioeconomic mobility is what allows you to get out of survival mode and allows you to actually thrive, have good interpersonal relationships, have a better emotional intelligence. And I feel like that, it, that that's just a really sad thing that I think, you know, like that it's, your socioeconomic status determines so much of whether you're surviving yeah. or thriving. And when one person's thriving in a family of survivors, like that is going to cause a problem. And, and I, mm -hmm. I know I was just going to say one time somebody told me just about relationships in general, not necessarily romantic relationships, it mm -hmm. could, but it could apply in all relationships is that it's a lot easier to pull someone down than to lift people, lift someone up. And yep. when people don't see, they, they, when they don't see, or when they feel like it's a struggle, they would rather bring people down than because it takes multiple people to help lift them up. Right. Right. It only right. takes one person to bring you down. And yeah. I heard that and I was like, oh, damn, that's so true. And I don't want to be somebody who brings anybody down. Mm -hmm. If anybody, I want, you know, and before you can help lift other people up, you have to also be on solid ground. You got to be on solid ground. Right. And that's a huge goal of mine. Like, I really want to be in a space where, you know, I can lift my family up. Like, there, there's so many people I want to lift up. And it's like I've, I've come a long way, uh, but I'm still not in that position to do that. And that is like, I don't I'm not going to consider myself successful until like, I'm in a position to do that. You know, I have financial freedom where I'm like, yo, I could pay for everybody. You get a house, you get a house. I'm either get over, you know, you get out, you get out, you get, you get everything. Um, we also need to think it's not lifting up doesn't necessarily always just mean financially. It could be that's true. emotionally, it could be opportunities, right? Like helping mm -hmm. people get opportunities and that's how we help our people and that's how we bring people up too is right. what are the spaces that we should occupy and where are the places that we should step aside and make sure that somebody else has the opportunity that should should be in that space. Like those right. are all ways of helping lift others up, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are so many ways. I just think I, you're right. I get stuck in this financial mindset. I'm like, I gotta pay for everybody's stuff because, you know, I feel like, you know, either when you come from a place of scarcity, mm -hmm. I feel like that's where that comes from. But you're right. There's so many ways to like uplift other people. It could be with opportunity, you know, when you open doors to people, you know, they, they can make shit happen. And it's so, it's so important to do that. I think of like, how many doors have opened for me? You know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. I'm always grateful for that. And I definitely want to be in a position to do that. <laughs> well, you're on your way. Cause you have your, you know, you have your regular day job that keeps you just funded. Then you mm -hmm. have, you know, your writing, your comedy, your performing. Mm -hmm. You also our co-host on the Rick H. So, yes, yes. which I've been fortunate to be on, which we had so yes, much fun. So much fun. And then you you also have a character, Dr. G, the gangster therapist. I love him. He's so funny. <laughs> Where did Dr. G come from? Where like, okay. So growing up, someone in my family, I would always like 
the, the person would always be like, you ain't got it hard. You don't got no real problems. They would literally tell me that. Like, maybe I would complain about something or, you know, but the point was that like, because they had it worse, they would just invalidate everything I said. And so it came from a point that was like actually not funny at all. But I was like, I stopped one day. I was like, yo, what if that really worked? <laughs> what if you told someone like, yo, my man, you don't got no real problems. And like, they actually realized. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, because someone always has it worse. Let me just shut the fuck up and be grateful. And, you know, like, let me let it work. And so I was like, I'm going to make this character that is like telling everyone you don't got no real problems. Man up. You just soft. And it's going to work. It's going to work. Everyone's going to leave off that couch. Like, thank you. Like, that's all I needed. But it's so funny to me because, you know, like, like I said er earlier, like bringing humor from hardship, you know, that, that was never a funny moment, but I turned it into a funny moment. And like, I also said, like comedy is very cathartic for me. So that was like one of those moments. And uh, like, I'm like 18 episodes in now. I love Dr. G. He cracks me up. And I'm always thinking of like, what am I bringing to his chair this week? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to ask Dr. G, my grandpa drank some, uh, <laughs> some gasoline. What should, what should I do? Listen, let me know. I'll shout you out on the next episode. <laughs> I will really do that. <laughs> Dementia. Oh, I mean, you got no real problem. My, my uncle had half a brain. <laughs> And he did fine. Oh, he was alive. He was kicking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, love me some Doctor G. He's such a he's such a fool. Lo no, it, it, I mean seriously, it was so fun. It's so funny. I love it. <laughs> um, where are all of the places that people can find you? Your YouTube channel, your social media, because I know people are gonna go watch want to watch your videos and <laughs> and all of yes. the things. Of course, um, on all platforms, I'm Slay with Jazz, Slay, S-L-A-Y, with W-I-T-H, Jazz, J-A-S. And I do have a YouTube. You're just going to have to look up uh, the Hustle Hard Dance vlog. I know that's so random. But my only YouTube content right now really is um, my dance vlog from when I was like dancing. And I thought I wanted to be this professional dancer, but I would vlog the whole day and it's like every, every vlog goes over one week. Um, so you could just catch me on that, you know, <laughs> in these moves. And my website is jasmine.nyc and it links to everything. So go check that out. Uh, I have my featured on section at the top in the, all the little microphones. says all the things I've been featured on. And I have my old podcast there. If you want to listen to some young Jasmine from five years ago, <laughs> go, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> And then obviously you are the co-host with Rick H and the Rick Absolutely. H Absolutely. Rick H every Tuesday, 8 p.m. So I am. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad we did this because I could keep We could totally keep talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're we out here. Bah, 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 bah. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, you guys go follow Jasmine on all of the things. Make sure you keep up with her. Yes. Uh, and I... I know that you're going to achieve all the things that you want and then be like, I know her. <laughs> Yo, I was on wine and cheese, man. She Listen, when that podcast. time comes, we're going to have to get together and drink some wine in real life. Like, you coming to New York. Uh, we, gotta, we should link up. I'll Let's be link there up. in like four days. In four, 
Ooh, hit that Millie Rock on them. <laughs> and we're going Thursday. Thursday. What do you got going on Thursday? Thursday. Um, doodoo. I'm I'm with you. Where we at? Right. Where we going? We, like, we're going to the wines. We're going to the let, wines. Let's, oh my God, we'll get some wine. I find a good wine happy hour with some oysters. Go <laughs> You eat oysters? Love oysters. Okay. <sighs> Stop. It's done. It's done. That's All it. Right, We're going to have this it. wine and oysters. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're not invited. Maybe next time. <laughs> Lo siento. We will take a picture that you can see on our Instagram. Yes, but we love you. Until next yes. time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at the Wine and Chisme Podcast on Remember, if you want to hear more wine and cheese, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.